Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you after a, a very busy week that we've had here. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because I was talking to uh, one of the secretaries about my schedule and she said, well, we can move it into February. And I said, well, no, that's too far out. She said, well, it's only two weeks. And I thought, not, that's not possible. No, that, what do you mean? It's, and I did the math and sure enough, yeah. February is right around, we're, we're heading it to the end of January. Yeah, it's, 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 we're midway at least through uh, January so far. Um, yeah. And it's been a busy week because we had this time of year, January is, is our, our month because, um, you know, your son has a birthday, two days later, you have a birthday, two days later, my son has a birthday, and then two days later, I have a birthday. So that's, that's just the four of us, you know, I don't know what the timing is there. But, you know, there was a planetary alignment of some sort. Yeah. across the ages yeah i don't think anybody would ever believe that we were only four days different in our uh in our ages we were yeah, only... i look a lot older than you you know considering yeah. that we were only four days apart <laughs> that's right so um but you know today we're going to talk related to some of that uh we're going to talk about our um we're going to continue our conversation from last week on failure to launch and right. talk about some strategies for for parents who are and, and the young adults who are going through right. this, these issues. Um, but just as a reminder, remember, we talked last week about how significant of a problem this really is. Yeah, the magnitude of this problem was, was mind boggling. I had no idea. I mean, I know that you and I have been dealing with this professionally for many, many years. Right. Um, but um, I had no idea uh, of the magnitude. There are 10 million um, adults uh, between the ages of 24 and 34 who continue to live with their parents. Um, and the, the percentages are increasing uh, between 2010 and 2016. The percent of kids living at home increased from 12 to 15%. Almost 10% never left home. They graduated from high school or went to high school or graduated from high school, never left home. But, a, but a, about 55% um, left typically to go to college um, or maybe tried to strike out on their own after high school, couldn't make it, and they return. Um, they they and um, that has increased to fifty five percent. It's up. Used to be three years. Used it used to be they would come home for two two and a half years. Now the length of stay is increasing to three or three years plus. So they're staying. They're staying a longer period of time. So the problem seems to be getting worse. Um, right. And parents who have children who aren't leaving the nest are increasingly concerned and asking what they should do about it. Right. Um, they'll go to friends and relatives and ask, well, you kick them out at 18. Well, you can't kick your kids out because they're going to be homeless. They're going to be helpless. And one of the things that you and I, when we talk about this, I think if parents would look at it as a skill deficit mm -hmm. rather than a, men a mental health problem or a, a selfishness problem, if you think of it as a skill deficit, it makes it much easier to deal with because then what you have to do is you have to provide your children with the skills right. that they need to leave the house. Okay, you, you, It's not a punishment issue. It's not kick them out. It's not tough love. I think it really is a skill deficit. Right. And that's how we, that's how we want to frame it this morning is to frame it as a skill deficit and what parents can do to help their kids prepare 
to leave the nest. Absolutely. So, so we're going to talk uh, about a few strategies uh, that we kind of pulled from different um, sources. Yeah. Um, and so there's a few articles posted in the show notes. Um, but there's we're going to talk about a couple of different or about seven really different strategies well, that mm-hmm. parents can use, uh, different approaches, different perspectives, perhaps that they can keep that will help them in, in managing and, and working through some of these some of these issues. And, and the first is, you know, it's an interesting idea to um, remind parents not to lower the bar. Right. You know, right. one of the things that they that they do is um, we tend to lower the expectations, um, you know, and or, or, or change what we're expecting. And what, what happens when we do that is we, we find ourselves in this recurring cycle. Um, and what we recommend instead is changing the whole context. You know, exactly. The whole situation. Yeah. yeah, because frequently parents will say, well, um, I want you to go to college. But you can't. But maybe you can't handle four courses. So just take two courses. Okay. Well, many times these children have a fear of failure, and so you right. lower the bar and say, "Well, just take two courses." Well, think about it for a moment. If they fail those two courses, then they really are a failure. Okay. Right. If I can't, you're already lowering the bar, so I can ha- so I don't have to handle four. But now, what if I can't handle the two? Then I'm really a failure. Right. Okay. So it increases. So lowering the bar. So rather than lower the bar for college, maybe we ought to move in a whole new direction and put a create a whole new context in which this particular child can succeed. Maybe it's work, maybe it's the military, maybe it's part-time employment, but you have to change the whole context, not just lower the bar. Absolutely. I, I talk with patients often in, in this kind of situation about, you know, let's let's really consider what your goal is. That's right. Mm-hmm. Richard, how many times do we talk to you know, guys and, and, you know, people who just graduated high school right. think, okay, now I have to go to college. They didn't really like high school all that much. And now they, they want to go to college and they have right. all of their energy that they're putting into that. Mm-hmm. But there's, even with that being their primary focus, there's not a lot of drive. There's not a lot of motivation. Right. There's not a lot of interest. And so that's, again, like we talked about last week, that's where they get stuck. Right. And, you know, thinking about changing the context, you don't you know, take a year off, um, you know, take take one class, but work, you know, do something to, you know, change the perspective, change the whole context of the situation, mm-hmm. because maybe you don't need a college degree for what you want to do. Exactly. There's no reason right. to force yourself to go down that path if 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 that's not what you want to do. So changing the whole context of the way that you're talking about what's the next stage of life may help. Yeah. If a, if a student really doesn't want to go to college, if that's a parent's dream, not a student's dream, yeah. it doesn't matter whether they take one course or five courses, right. they're not going to bring any motivation and it, they're not going to bring any more motivation to one or two courses than they bring to four or five courses. Right. So can think about changing the entire context. Let's move. This child needs to move in a different direction and you need to support that child's direction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, strategy. The second strategy is uh, maybe one that's pretty obvious to a lot of people, and that is to just stop enabling. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at some point, some of those responsibilities that the parent is continues to take mm-hmm. on has right. to be handed over to the to the young adult. That's right. At some point it has to be handed over to them. 
Yeah, at some point you have to stop paying their expense. I mean, think about this. You have to stop paying their expenses at 22 or 28 or 35 or 45. I mean, when do you, at some point you're gonna have to draw that line. And it's easier, the sooner you do it, the easier it is to do. Right, yeah. So certainly the parent, perhaps the parent can support them financially. Right, yeah, right. Most parents are capable yeah. of supporting their kids. I mean, they, they have for 19, 25, 30 years. Yeah, but, parents are, parents typically have are, are making more money at a time in their career where they're making the highest amount of money. So yeah, financially, parents are capable of supporting their children. But that's not the only obligation parents have. Right. You also have the obligation to nudge them toward independence. Right. And you're not, if you keep supporting them financially, then you're neglecting your other obligation of making them independent. Right. Now, we're certainly not saying, you know, go from you're supporting and paying for everything to, okay, now you're responsible for everything, you know, just handing it all over at one time. You yeah. know, it wants to be, you want to have some type of gradual transition of responsibility, you know, have start out by, you know, them paying for their cell phones or paying for certain right. things. Um, you know, then they yeah, you do it gradually. You do it, right. you do it, you do it gradually and you get, you get the, the, uh, the adult child accustomed to paying their own bills. So you start with something small. You don't, you don't hand them a bill, an itemized bill and do shock therapy and say, here, you owe me $2,000 a month. No, that I can tell you where that's going to go. Right. So what you do is you start small. And this is one of those times when it's good to use collaborative problem solving because it would be best if you sit down and explain to the child what the expenses are and say, okay, which ones can you manage? And right. then the child says, well, how about if I start with my phone bill? Sounds right. like a good idea. So you get used, the child gets used to the idea. I say child. Right. The young adult gets used to the idea of paying their own way. And they gradually accept more and more uh, financial responsibility. Absolutely. Now, the, the the next strategy is in some ways related, and that is certainly something that parents in these situations, what they do is they keep it too safe. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we have to obviously then shift away from that and resist that tendency to pr provide so much protection, so much right. uh, safety for them. Um, and, and we're talking about safety from the perspective of stressors, you know, we, we talk a lot about like helicopter parents and goodness, we can snowplow or lawnmower parents and we right. all these different uh, little, little titles we have, but parents in these situations work so hard to protect their, their kids from stress. And then by right. the time they reach a young adulthood, the, the, the adult child is unable to handle stress. Right. The parents right. made things way too safe. And so handing them some of those bills, handing them some of those responsibilities, some of those expectations is going to increase some of those stressors, but it's going to put them in a situation where they're going to be able to um, manage some of those stressors. That's right. And, yeah. and, then, and you need to keep in mind that when we're talking about a 19 or 22 or 23 year old, we're talking about a brain that is still developing mm -hmm. and our brains develop when they're exposed to age-appropriate stressors. So if, if you as a parent deny your child some stress, then you're denying them, you're denying them the opportunity for brain development right. because the brain's gonna develop 
working against obstacles, working against challenges, working against um, uh, stressors. And if there's no stress, there's no growth. And so you're not doing your child a favor by creating a stress-free environment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, kind of building from that, the next strategy is to is to work and maybe again, working in a collaborative way with the, with your adult child, but yeah. working to establish new rules. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there has to be some level of expectation around the house, you know, um, Again, we, we talk to a lot of people in these situations where, you know, uh, and as we talked about last week, they primarily stay in their room, they come out only to eat. Um, right. And instead, we need to, you know, parents need to encourage those um, young adults to come out and participate. They need to take some responsibility in the house. They need to have some, um, you know, some expectations or some rule, um, some rules or right. some um, chores and stuff that they have to use do to contribute to the household. Um, it's no different is it than if they were, you know, 15 or 10. Um, you know, the expectation is you, you live here, you contribute. And part of that is establishing rules where, you know, there's some responsibilities that they have. That's right. There was, and you can say to the adult child, you can say, look, when you were a child, I assumed most of the responsibility for cleaning and laundry and, you know, you had your chores, but I assume most of the responsibility. Now you're an adult and now you have to assume more responsibility for the care of the house. doesn't matter if you were living with a partner, if you were living in an apartment with a buddy of yours, you'd have cleaning, you'd have to, you'd have to help with the upkeep of the house. You couldn't expect your roommate to do it all. So this is again, one of those, this is what we talk about when we say this is a skill deficit. You have to teach the child how to assume adult responsibility for caring for the place that they live in. Um, it's not that they don't care, they may not know how. And so our job as a parent is to hand this um, obligation, hand this responsibility to the child and say, look, you're an adult now. You have adult responsibilities. And part of those is you have to, you have to contribute to the management of this house. Right. Or whatever, wherever you're living, you have to contribute. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've, we have certainly had um, scenarios where we're talking with a young adult in this kind of situation mm -hmm. and a young adult doesn't know how to take care of a house. They don't know how to take care of their space because they've never really had to. We've worked with um, even college students who don't, who, who truly don't know how to use a, a, a washing machine and dryer to, to take care of their clothes and stuff. So, so they have to take their stuff back or right. to, in quotations, um, take their stuff back home every weekend to wash them or have their parents wash them because they just don't know how to use that. And mm -hmm. that's not doing anyone any good. Um, right. The child to the adult child now to be continue to be dependent on the parent to take care of that stuff. That's right. And again, it's that it's the assumption of responsibility. It's, you know, when 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 you're a kid, when you're 12 or 10 or 12 or 13 or 14 years old, typically those you're not thinking about, I have to get the cans to the street or I have to clean out the garage or I have to um, clean out these cupboards because it's, you, kids typically don't think about that stuff. OK, well, now you're an adult and now it's time to start thinking about that, to start thinking about, OK, today's Wednesday. The cans have to go to the street. OK, I need to make sure there's gas in the car. I need to make sure the car is clean. I need to make sure that 
um, the the, um, the the lawn is taken care of. You know, and again, it's that it's the assumption of responsibility mm-hmm. um, that they're not. You're not a hotel guest. Right. You're you're part of a family, and you're an adult, and now you have to assume some of these adult responsibilities. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> now, from one of the articles uh, that we found, and, and again that we posted, it the, the next strategy is just is very interesting and, and humorous. It's you know, park your helicopter. <laughs> I love this. Park your helicopter. You, you know, again, parents have to stop. Um, it, I, I want to use the word intruding. My my um, impulse is to use the word intruding, but the, the, the parent sort of imposes themselves sometimes in a situation where it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to make the appointment, then I'll make it for you. You know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to go put out some applications then I'm going to, then, you know, I'll pick them up for you because the parent really wants the, the adult child to get out mm-hmm. and do some mm-hmm. of these things. And so the parent, much like the parent probably did when, when he, when he was eight, nine, 10, 15 years old um, and taking care of everything for him, the parent now continues to do that by, and, and you know, for all the reasons that we've been talking about that, that uh, adult children in these situations need to t- take some responsibilities and, and have some motivation and some drive. They need to build that. They're not going to build it if the parent is still doing everything for them. Exactly. You, w- one of the problems with failure to launch is passivity. They, the, the kids become very passive. They stay in their bedrooms. They don't assume responsibility. But think about it for a moment. If if the parents continue to do all these nuts, you know, making appointments, scheduling interviews, coming up with names of places they can apply to go to work, talking to their friends to ease their their the hiring process, um, the, the the adult child's going to remain passive. There's no reason to do anything because right. it's being done for them. And I I like the recommendation that, and I've, Bernie, I've heard you say this many times. Who's doing all the work? Right. You know, the, are you doing the work or is the child doing the work? And so when you get to this, when you get over 18, parents should be doing less than half the work. There, right. there may be things that you need to do during the transition to independence, but you should be doing less than half of the work. And if if you're not doing less than half, if you feel that most of the obligation is on your shoulders, mm-hmm. then you need to start moving in a whole new direction. You need to hand these responsibilities over to them. And if they don't do it, there are going to be natural consequences. Well, well, he won't go out and get a job. Well, if he doesn't go out and get a job, then we'll go to we'll go to another strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay? If he refuses to do chores. And we're going to talk about that toward the end of this um, podcast yeah. is if the child refuses, there are other consequences. There are many other things that you can do. So it's not that you're stymied, but but they have to accept responsibility for doing these things on their own. Right. Now, the, the next strategy, I think, is, is really yeah, is much more important than than we can even give credit for or, or right. you know, in, in, in a podcast because um, or in a single podcast, because mental health issues um, right. are significant. You know, I think that we, we've talked about this many times, both on the podcast and just sitting around here at the office, that I think we're going to experience and, and recognize and acknowledge the, the consequences of COVID, for example, right. For, right. for a long time to come. Yeah. Um, right. 
not just from a fiscal uh, economic perspective, but from a mental health perspective, mm-hmm. we have a, there are many, many young people, um, kids, young adults whose life was interrupted in such profound ways for those two years or so. Um, and, and of course, it's still still around and is still profoundly affecting right. some families still today. Mm-hmm. But on a on a large scale, affecting so many people that it has really seemed to shift the way that people think, especially young people. Um, kids in school now think about school and approach school in very different ways than they did in the beginning of the 2019, 2020 school year. Right. They just behave and approach school from a very different perspective. And so when you have the, this other group of people who transition from, you know, uh, high school to adulthood during that time period, it's going to, it, it has had a significant mm-hmm. effect. And so mm-hmm. when we think about mental health, we have to look at things like this. Um, you know, you, you can't expect a person with depression, with significant or severe anxiety, you can't expect them to just jump out of bed and go apply for a job. Right. Right. They need treatment for their mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and so we have to recognize some of those things and get the help that they help them get the help that they need. That's right. Yeah, there. Th- this is a very, um, this is a much more complicated issue when we talk about mental health. Because on the one hand, if a person, if if a young adult really has a a mental health issue, for example, they have uh, severe depression, right. or they have debilitating anxiety. Yeah. Okay, if they have a legitimate diagnosis, whether it's ADHD, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, eating disorder, then you're going to have to work within that context. Okay, and you have to remember that, you know, to to take a 24 year old who's severely depressed, has a history of depression, it's been an ongoing problem. Uh, You can't just shove them out and say, go get a job now. Okay, it's it's too big a step to take. So you're going to have to work with the with the child you have. At the same time, we want to make sure that the adult child isn't using a mental illness as an excuse. You know, well, well, I can't do that because I, I'm depressed or I'm too anxious or I'm too ADHD or I'm too, I am bipolar. Like I, we need to remember that most people, the overwhelming majority of people with depression, with anxiety, with ADHD are able to take care of themselves. They can hold a job right. and they can manage their lives. Okay. So on the one hand, we have to acknowledge the implications of a mental illness but at the same time we don't want our adult children to use mental illness as an excuse for not getting on with their lives absolutely and and part of the way that we see this again manifest is they will attribute their inability to do things to Mm -hmm. illness or the mental health problem but at the same time resist or refuse outright um, mental health treatment. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, if if depression is keeping you from accomplishing and, and launching, getting getting out there to be successful, mm-hmm. but you're refusing treatment for that depression, right? You know, you you can't do both. If the depression is is preventing you from doing the things you need to do, then you need to get treatment for the depression so that you can overcome that. Yeah. Um, be- 
none of these mm-hmm. mental health conditions are are life imp- have to be life impairing. They That's can right. be things that you work on to improve so that you can then function and be find some success. Yeah, one of the one of the most frustrating parts of this is when a child wants to convey the message that I'm just too weak, I'm just too anxious, and I can't leave my room. It's impossible. Well, if it's impossible to leave your room, then the focus is not failure to launch. The focus shifts to let's deal with this mental illness because this is not acceptable. It's not acceptable for you at age 19 or 20 or 23 or 25 to isolate in your room and live this fantasy life on the internet with these pretend friends that you have, that's, that's, that's something that that's your, that's your intervention point. Now you have to deal with somebody who has a mental illness and and the focus has to be on taking care of that mental illness. You don't just get to say, I just can't do anything. Right. No, that's not acceptable because you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the horrible cycle that happens is that, you know, you, people in these situations, you know, they focus on, you know, some of those online friends or some of these online scenarios or gaming and things like that. And the focus is on that. And it does bring them some comfort. It brings them some support. And so all of their energy gets poured into that. And it turns into a situation where that's the only thing that they feel can help them. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so they resist other support sources of support they resist other ideas of support and only focus on that and again just as we talked about last week that's the cycle of isolation and seclusion and and resisting that you know coming out and and trying Mm -hmm. to to do more and and start their adult life yeah and and we have to be very careful of sliding into that comfort what we call a comfort zone where the only time I feel good is when I'm uh, talking to my internet friends, my internet family. Um, I'm in a dark bedroom and I don't have to deal with the real world. Yeah, the real world is not uh, often not a pleasant place to be, but that's where you have, that's where you have to be. You have to be in the real world. And so it becomes the parent's obligation to focus on the mental illness and get the child beyond that, get the adult child beyond that. Yeah, we know it's your comfort zone. But again, without a nudge, without some push, you're never going to get out of that bedroom. And, right. and so you want to prevent and do everything you can. Um, that's different. That adds a layer of complexity to the whole issue of failure to launch. Right. Because if you have a child who's isolating, self-isolating, living in a darkened bedroom, that's a little bit more, that's a little more complex. Right. And one that may require some professional assistance. A- absolutely. Because there, there are those who are self-isolating and they don't have friends like that online. They, they're, you know, they're, they're not relying on this social network of um, through the electronic devices. Um, they stay in their room and they, you know, if they play games, it's games that they do on their own. They're playing by themselves. You know, and, and that's a, that is a slightly different situation that right. where you may need some other help. But, you know, if, if you go through all of these other strategies, you, you, you change the rules, you change the expectations um, or change the context. You, you, you do all these other things that we're talking about, and it's still not moving in the direction that you want. This, the, the final 
suggestion, uh, suggested strategy in, in some of the articles that we found is to arrange a humane eviction. <laughs> and it's a very nice way. Right. It's a very nice way to say it. But working with, again, working with the adult child to move them into a direction, move them in the direction of finding that independence and, and moving out of the home and, and into their own place. Yeah, parents frequently ask, well, what if my child refuses to assume financial responsibility? What if my child, even for a cell phone payment, what if my child refuses to do chores? Well, now age becomes a factor because if your child is 18 or 19, you know, a recent high school graduate and can't sort of decide what he or she wants to do, you may have to be patient for a while. But if we're talking about a 22 or 23-year-old, 24-year-old, at some point, if that child defies and, and refuses, then it may be necessary to move toward a humane eviction. And by a humane eviction, you just have to say to the child, you have to be out of the house by this date. We have to make arrangements for you to, you know, here's, here's your timeline. Within six months, you have six months to get a job, to get a place to live, or to get a job and start paying for your, to pay rent here, okay? We're gonna give you this time to make all these arrangements. If the child adamantly refuses, then I think you're gonna to have to move towards something like a humane eviction where you say, okay, on this date, if you haven't done these things, if you still refuse, then we're gonna put your belongings into storage and those belongings won't be here. We're not gonna kick you out, but your possessions won't be here, right. right? And so you have to do something to, to maybe raise the ante, as they say, right. um, to get some leverage, to get the child moving um, toward independence and self-sufficiency. Right. And of course, this can't be done in a in a confrontational, no, aggressive, no. I'm the boss type of way. It, it has to be done in a you know just a matter of fact way. Mm -hmm. It's going to be it's going to be emotional. Naturally, it's going to be emotional. Right. But at the same time, you, you have to try to take some of those emotions out so that you can talk about it in a very direct, concrete, and, and matter of fact way, so that the point is clear, so that the that there is clear understanding. And, and that you can move forward in a way that is going to, you know, foster the child's, the adult child's um, drive to get out and to, to, to find some of that independence. That's right. Because what you want to do is you want to remain supportive through, through this whole, even if it, even if you get to humane eviction, you want to remain supportive. You're not doing this out of anger. You're not doing this out of tough love. What you're saying to the child, I have confidence that you can do this yourself. I have confidence that you can get a job and support yourself. And that's what you're showing the child is that I have the con I have confidence that you can that you can be independent. I'm going to support you. I'm going to give you all the tools you need. And this is something we can do together. Um, it might take six months, 12 months, might take two or three years to right. move toward independence. But I'm here to support you. Right. This is, you know, and again, it's 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 parents as teachers. You're, right. you're teaching them the skills that they need and you're helping them to learn the skills that they need to become independent. Right. And, and that's not sugarcoated. There's, there's going to be some bad feelings. Right. Um, 
there's going to be some anger. There's going to be some blame. There's going to be mm-hmm. some, uh, accusations of you being mean and, and hurtful mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, this is a teaching situation. This is mm-hmm. a, as you said, you know, you, you're, you're working to teach them the skill that they don't have. And you're putting them in a situation where they're going to have to employ that skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eventually, eventually, hopefully, they, they will thank you. But um, doing this, you know, mm-hmm. pushing in a, in a direction to get them out and helping help, you know, get them into a situation where they do launch is far better for them right. and for you than not doing anything and allowing them to stay. That's right. What you can't do is allow them to remain dependent. That's the worst thing we can do. And so we the goal is to teach them to gradually transition them to independence. Um, Again, this is why you don't kick them out. That's too big. It's the same reason why you don't say, "Okay, from now on, you're going to have to pay us two thousand dollars a month. No, you do it gradually. You do it in this very orderly manner where they gradually assume more and more responsibility. And and you teach them and you help them learn how to manage all this stuff, to do laundry, to take the cans out, to assume adult responsibilities, to start thinking like an adult rather than as a child. Absolutely. Yeah, because you've probably, if you're in this situation, the, the likelihood is that you've just, you've probably spent much of their younger days providing all of that you did yeah now we have to make that transition so all right transition and it takes a little time and remember it's different with a 19 year old than it is with a 24 year old okay so it's a you have to use different strategies but certainly if you have if you're dealing with this and you have questions and you're not sure how to proceed give us a call um come in and we can chat about it it's something you're going to have to do you're going to have to learn how to do and so um if we can be of some help please give us a call Absolutely. Yeah. There, there are loads of mental health professionals who are willing yeah. to and, and will be able to help uh, with some of these issues. So, all yeah. right. That's mm-hmm. it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.